Hi, I'm Simon Theakston, and welcome to the Theakston's Old Peculiar Crime Novel of the Year. The way the global obsession with the crime genre continues to grow year on year is simply astonishing, and this year's long list proves the remarkable talent on offer in crime writing from legends of the craft to eager-eyed newcomers. The short list is already too close to call, so we encourage everyone to get voting. A hearty toast of Old Peculiar to all our long-listed authors for this coveted award and we look forward to what we know will be a fiercely fought competition. In the meantime, I'm going to have a glass of Old Peculiar, because they say an Old Peculiar and a crime novel go very well together. I'll tell you why if you come to the festival in July. Good health. Hello, I'm Joe Haddow, and this is our series of interviews with the Theakston's Old Peculiar Crime Novel of the Year Award Longlistees, produced and curated by Harrogate International Festivals in partnership with the title sponsor, Theakston's Old Peculiar. And today I'm joined by the New York Times bestselling author, Brian McGilloway. Hello, welcome to you. Hi, Joe. How are you? Good to see you again. It's great to see you again. I'm well, thank you. And I had forgotten about your wonderful chair that I think I was very jealous of last time. And, <laughs> and then I've forgotten about it. And now it's brought it all back, <laughs> seeing you sat there in complete comfort. <laughs> is, I have to say, it is very comfortable. There's very few things that I waste money on, but this was this was probably one of them. Uh, but, yeah. uh, well, it's lovely to see you and um, congratulations, I should say, of course, at the start for being longlisted. Um, let's talk about the book. It's it's Blood Ties and it sees the return of Ben Devlin. Now, you had a bit of a break from Ben for your previous novel, as I recall, The Last Crossing. So how was it to um, have him back in your head and on the page again? It's a bit strange because um, I've had a break from him for about nine years. Um, the last Devlin book, I think, was 2011, 2012. Was it really? Um, oh, yeah, my goodness. Uh, Where's that name gone? Dead. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I mean, I kind of joke that he stopped speaking to me. Um, but in a way, he kind of did stop speaking to me. I had started a few books that I had hoped would be Devlin's. And when I started writing them, I just knew they weren't. They just they <laughs> didn't feel right. It didn't feel like his story. Um and so I kind of left, the, the, not that I'd left the character, but I, I, I kind of decided, well, whatever time there's a story that that, that, that is his, I'll, I'll know. Um, and when I came to write Blood Ties, one of the things that I wanted to write about, and one of the, kind of, it's one of the central uh, things in the book, and it's revealed in the opening page, it's not spoiling anything. Um, it's a book about his, about Devlin kind of coming to terms with the loss of his dad, um, which was very personal to me. Uh, because I lost my father in um, three years ago, just, uh, and I knew when I I knew that I wanted to write about that, and I knew that it was something I wanted to explore. Um, and Devlin has always been the character that I go to whenever I want to look at things that concern me, or it's my way to kind of work out how I think and how I feel about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I knew as soon as I started writing it, I knew it was going to be a Devlin. Um, and I loved having his voice because his voice is probably quite close to mine, even in terms of how I imagine he sounds. Um, so there's always kind of a sense of almost coming home uh, <laughs> when, when when you're writing Devlin. So. <laughs> and it, it, you sort of uh, just ease back into the comfort of it. Yeah, and, and it is. It is. It's a comfort thing. It is. Uh, it's. There's a, a exactly that. There's an easiness um, about the, the the voice, and I quite like. Um, like the Lucy books are, are are quite different. They're third person narrative. They're, the prose is quite spare and quite quick. 
um, and the standalones are, are different again. Mm. Um, but the Devlin books, the, the 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 prose is a bit slower and a bit more reflective. And I, I, I suppose that's probably a bit closer to me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and um, for those that might not have got to it yet, or you know haven't haven't managed to read anything about it, could you perhaps you've already alluded to it a little bit, but could you set up the story of Blood Ties for us? Yeah, so um, Devlin, if, uh, for anyone who doesn't know the character, Devlin is a guard, um, a guard officer who works on the border between the north and the south of Ireland. Um, and this is the sixth book in the series. Um, at the start of the book, he's called to a crime scene um, of someone, a, a, a stranger uh, to the local area who's been killed. And fresh blood is found at the scene of the killing um, that doesn't belong to the, to, to the, the murder victim. Um, and as he investigates, he discovers that the murder victim is in actual fact somebody who had served time for killing himself. And much more intriguingly, perhaps, the blood found at the scene belongs to his murder victim who has been dead uh, for over a decade, uh, and yet the blood is fresh. Um, and so this kind of leads then to Devlin having to work out how can how can a dead person's blood appear at a crime scene? Um, and it then feeds into bigger issues about identity and, and um, how we define ourselves and, and victims, uh, because part of the, the part of the thing with the book is that the, the murder victim at the start, as soon as it's discovered that he was an actual fact a murderer himself, a number of the people working the case are going, well, do you know what? kind of got what he deserved, or we don't really need to work as hard on this one. And then Devlin is left in a in that situation where he has to kind of focus on the idea that everyone is a victim in some way. And the more he investigates this person's background, the more he not necessarily even sympathizes, but begins to understand why he became the person that he became. And I know that, you know, the, the more personal stuff in the book about the passing of his father probably came, you know, only a few years ago, but am I right in thinking that actually the basis for a lot of the story you'd actually had years ago and just hadn't put it down. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the idea for the blood. Um, so I kind of knew from the start how the blood had got there, right, which is okay. unusual. <laughs> which is unusual for me because I normally don't. When I start a book, I normally have no idea where it's going to go, and I, I, I kind of write myself in the corner and then have to work out how to get out of it again. Um, <laughs> oh, this Brian, one, you've done it again to yourself. How are you going to get out of this You think one? I would know by this stage. Like, but, um, but with this one, yeah, it, it was an idea that I had pitched for um, for a TV uh, program I'd been asked to do a treatment for, um, I think around 2012, 2013. Uh, and I really liked the idea of how the blood got there. Um but I just couldn't find a story that it worked for. Uh, and and it, it wasn't the starting point for the story. The starting point for the story was actually about identity and about victims uh, and how we define victims. Because particularly in, in Northern Ireland, um, there's a constant debate about how we define victims. And there's almost been this kind of creation of a hierarchy of victimhood. Um, and so I kind of knew that I wanted to write about that and about identity. And then the idea of the blood, I kind of when I was planning it, I remembered this idea of the blood and went this, right, this is a story <laughs> where, where I can use that now. Um, and I think that's fairly common. Do I mean, an awful lot of the stories, like even the, the, the newest book, um, The Empty Room, 
it was an idea that I'd had about five or six years ago and hadn't quite known how to use. So that that's kind of normal for me that I kind of gather up stuff and I have it sitting. And at some stage, I kind of go, hopefully, hopefully I'll make use of that at some point. So. Yeah, not a nice long percolation. That's what you need. That's what you need. Yeah. Um, and how did it feel, Brian, to hear that you'd been long listed for the prize again? I'm thrilled. I really am, uh, particularly because it is a Devlin, and and I'm very not not quite perhaps protective of the Devlin books, but I have a soft spot, <laughs> I suppose, for the Devlin books. Um, and it's just, I mean, every year the 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 long list and the short list, the, the books on it are just so incredible, and they're books that I have enjoyed reading myself throughout the year. So to kind of see your own book up at that level is just that's it's so gratifying. Um, and just, I feel immensely lucky to, to be here again. I feel like it's a fluke. Anytime this happens, I assume it's a fluke. Um, and Not somebody's made a mistake somewhere, but um, I'm very grateful to take that mistake and say nothing. So. Um, and what does the Fixed Old Peculiar Crime Novel of the Year Award mean to you? Well, it is, it's one of those awards that, it's the one that you're looking for as a reader where you're going, right, those are those are the books that I that I want to read. Uh, and every year you do, stuff comes up on the list where you're going, I haven't, I haven't heard of that. And, and as soon as you see it on the list, you're going out to get it because you kind of know that you can rely that it's going to be a quality read. It's going to be something you enjoy. Um, so to, to, to be part of that. Um, and, and I suppose to kind of feel part of that writing community, um, particularly after COVID and with us all being so isolated, mm. just that sense of community and being part of something. Um, it's so nice as well. It is. And so nice that we'll be back. I know we were back last year as well, uh, but it feels like this year is going to be sort of, you know, back with a vengeance almost, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping I get back this year. I was, meant to, I was meant to be over last year and about three days before I was about to go over, two of my children got COVID. Oh, um, no. And so I wasn't able to make it across last year. I was kind of watching it all through through social media. Um, so I really am. I'm very hopeful um, that uh, to, to, to get across this year and see everybody um, and, and get a chance to catch up. Yeah. Oh, I re- well, I really hope that that you do make it over, and I'm pretty sure. I, I, I think there's a pint that's owed, probably for me to you. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know. No, no. I think, I think it, it's the other way. I'm fairly sure I promised a pint last year. I will stick to that. Well, we'll, we'll, both, we'll both stick to it, and you know, we'll, then we, we we get to out of it. Um, well, really, really hope to see you there. Um, I hope you can make it, and congratulations again on the long list. Um, and remember, all of our long list of books are available to buy from Waterstones. And if you've already read Brian's book and you know you want it to be the winner, well, why don't you? head over to harrogatethinkstoncrimeaward.com where you can cast your vote for his book. But you've got to do it before the 26th of May. Always a pleasure, Brian. Thanks for uh, taking the time to chat to us. And um, yeah, I'll see you at the bar in Harrogate. Absolutely. Thanks very much, Joe. Lovely to see you again. Thank you. Thank you.